You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. For Word and Worship on June 1st, 2018 at the Hands at Work Hub in South Africa, Dan Wasp encourages us to keep focused on our God who is able to do all things. Uh, good morning. I want to start with a question uh, just to get us thinking. I want to ask you the question, how big is your God? How big is the God that you serve? How, how, what can he do and what can he not do? Just, just start thinking, how big is the God that you, you serve? What's he capable, what's God capable of? And so the story is in Numbers chapter 13 um, and uh, verses 21 to the end and then um, uh, chapter 14, 1 to 9. So I just, all I want to do is I want to pull out two or three things in that story that God has been speaking to me recently. And so the first thing is very obvious and, uh, but I just want to point to it. You know, God has good things in store for his people. In uh, Numbers, uh, earlier on in Numbers 13, verse 2, uh, we're reminded that this land was promised by God to the people. God said, I'll give you that land. When they're talking about going, God says, I'm going to give you that land. So this uh, this land was promised to God's people, and they were called, they were sent by God to go and take it. And it was good. It was a land, it's described as a land flowing with milk and honey. It had grapes and pomegranates. So that's Cara and George sorted. (laughs) But I I like to think that the land also had Inyama, KFC, um, Spur, and other things for the rest of us. (laughs) But the land was good. The the term milk and honey means that it was, in another place it says bountiful. The land was good. God has good things. God calls us to things and God's generosity means that he, he provides good things for us now. And so God provides good things for us now and good things for us in the future. In, uh, you don't have to turn to it, but in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 it says we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. And so there's some things that are for the future. There's some things that God keeps for us, great things that God keeps for us in the future that we won't know while we're on earth, but, but in, this isn't all we live in. This 80 years or however long, 70 if you're from England, 90 if you're from Australia, however long you have on this earth isn't all we have. There's more, there's an inheritance that God stores up for each one of us later on in life where we'll know complete healing and freedom and freedom of sin and, and complete joy and no, uh, no pain, no suffering, no tears. There's an inheritance for us. But there's some things that God promises for us now. And I'm not, if I'm starting to sound, you've probably heard this talk lots, maybe in your churches in England or in South Africa, or, and you're starting to think that I'm sounding like someone off the television. I'm not talking about things in store like cars or aeroplanes or thousands of, or hun- millions of rands. I'm saying that there's things that God promises and calls us to that 
that he wants us to enjoy now. Peace and joy and healing and purpose and the, the thrill of the Holy Spirit being using us. God says, I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you life in abundance. That's now. God has good uh, things for us. God calls us, like he called the, the people of Israel, God calls us to something and he calls us to something good. There's, there's a promise in that. But back to the story. The spies went out and they saw that what God had called them to was good. But they saw there were some challenges. And this is where I'm going to spend the majority of my time that we have left together, as I share before we move into worship, is that God promised these people a land, and it was good. God had good things in store for them. God had a calling for them. And when they went, they saw that good things, but they saw challenges. And what they did is they focused on the challenges rather than focusing on God. Look how the report changes as it goes on. When, uh, when Angel was reading uh, in chapter 13, verse 21, uh, let me just briefly read it. It says, uh, so they explored the land from the wilderness of Zin. Uh, then it says there was, the, there was people there, the descendants of Anak, um, and it said where they were. Then they came to the valley of Eshol. They cut down a branch of uh, grapes, um, and they were too large to carry. Um, and they brought back some samples of pomegranates and figs. So it's quite factual. They just say there's some people there, there were some big grapes, nice pomegranates and some figs. Then it grows. When they start to give the feedback to the people in verse 28, the story starts to get a little bit more detailed and dramatic. In verse 28 it says, the, um, it actually names the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along, and, but, and it says they're powerful. So it says, here's the fruit that it produces. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. So the story now goes from being factual to start, actually these people are powerful, and their cities have got strong walls, and we saw giants. And then... Just uh, they tell the story for a third time. In verse 33, they say, uh, the land we travelled uh, through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anax. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So the story grows from being factual. There were some people there. So there were some people there when they were really quite strong and there were some walls around their houses to the people there were huge. They were, and we saw giants. They will devour us and we felt like grasshoppers and they looked at us like we were grasshoppers too. The story got more negative and more scary as the time went on. It's like the giants, it's like the giants got bigger the, the longer the story went on. And so remember that God promised them this land. So I want to pause there and just ask you a question. God had called these people to this land. Is, it, is there something you know that God's asked you to do? Is there something that you know that God has called you to? And I just I want to pause and let you think about that. It can be something very small. 
Maybe God's called you to a particular role, to care for a particular person, to love a particular family. Maybe God has called you to be in a certain place, be in a certain place for a period of time. Maybe God's called you here to Africa for one year, or he said, I'm going to call you here for a year. Maybe he's called you to, to, to be part of a different community. God's called each one of us for something. Just pause and think, what has God called you to? What's one thing that you can point to? It might be very general. It might be that God's just called you to care for orphans and vulnerable children. Or God's called you to work hard. What's God called you to? And then I want to ask the question, first of all, I started with the question, what's God called you to? The second question is, are there challenges? Are there things that are, that are difficult along the way, that, come, that, are, that are difficult in what God's called you to? Because I want to suggest that if there are, the longer you look at those challenges, the bigger they'll become. And eventually they'll become giants that will devour you and you will feel like a grasshopper. Because that's what these people did. God called them to the promised land. God said, I'm good, and it's good for you. And they saw the good things, but they focused on the challenges. And as time went on, those challenges became bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger the giants got, the smaller God got. Because they stared at the giants. Now, I wanna, the, God's been challenging this. Of course, you know that Jen and I feel like God gave us the opportunity and called us many years ago to care for And as we've cared for part of caring for and part of that call means that a way of caring for is to care for Boothway. And we feel that God called us to that. And we, we moved into that. But you know, it became, it became consuming for me. I, I didn't sleep. I cried most days, most nights. And, and it just escalated and I became paralysed. And, and two weeks ago at church, I was, I was, I was thinking about it and I, and I was just, and it happened, I'd wake at night and I would think, and what, what I would think is, I'd think, what if she doesn't, what if she doesn't make it? What if Boothley doesn't make it? What if, what if Boothley does make it, but she has developmental needs? How, do, how am I going to cope with that? because that's what the doctor said is possible. What if she does make it, but she gets to 15? 15-year-old <laughs> girls scare the life out of me anyway. <laughs> like, when, how am I going to cope with... <laughs> no offence. <laughs> how am I going to... Like, how do I love and care for a 15-year-old girl that's got an illness that, that, that I have to explain to her? What if she makes it longer than that? What if she becomes 24, 25, and she wants to get married? How does that conversation work with a suit with a potential husband? I want to marry you, but just so you know, I'm carrying this illness that makes me. And it, I just focused on the thousand uncertainties. What if, what if we don't have it after last week, next week? What if social services decide that we're not the right place to give her safety? And just if and if and if, and it went on and on and on, and I found myself so consumed by it that this one Sunday I stood there and I was I, I, the, the anxiety was, was gripping me and I don't suffer from anxiety much but I just felt like vomiting, I felt sick, I felt 
constantly close to tears. And, and I heard God say, and, and I, I very seldom, those of you that know, know me know that I don't use that term regularly or much. And it wasn't like a big booming voice that made me look around and go, did everyone else hear that? But a, a, a voice that I can only describe it as a, a, a voice in my spirit, in that part of me that comes up with wrong ideas or right ideas, a voice in my spirit said, stop staring at the uncertainties and start looking at the certainties. Start looking at the things I promised you. Start looking at the things that are certain. And who's certain? God. And I felt God was saying to me, stop looking at the giants. Because the more you look at those uncertainties, the more you look at those fears, they're going to become bigger and bigger and you're going to feel more and more like a grasshopper. And that moment I felt like a grasshopper and I felt like these massive list of uncertainties were giants. And I felt like I was going to be crushed. And God said, stop looking at the giants. Stop looking at the giants. Look at me. And gradually, it's not, I'm not there yet, but as I've taken, as I've tried to take my eyes off the giants and focus them on God, my giants have become smaller and my God has become bigger. Because God is bigger than my giants, but the more I stared at my giants, the bigger they got and the smaller my God got. And so I don't know what your giants are. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a... a, a uh, an addiction, maybe it's a sense of unforgiveness, maybe it's a, 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 a dislike or a, a, of a person, maybe it's a feeling of being wronged, maybe it's, a, I don't know what it is, maybe it's a trauma, like I said, maybe it's something that's happened to you, maybe it's a, a, a broken relationship, or maybe it's something good, but the more you stare at the challenges of it, the bigger it gets and the smaller your God gets. And what, what I'm pointing to here is that God says to me so clearly, stop spending your time staring at your giants and start spending time looking at me, at what I've called you to and what I promised you to. So, you know, a second thing happens when, when you stare at your giants, the first thing that happens is your giants become big, but your God becomes small. The second thing that happens is when you stare at the giants, you, can, you become paralysed and you don't move, you don't live out the call that God has called you to. You, you stop. So God called the people of Israel to the promised land. God said, I've got good stuff for you there. A land flowing with milk and honey. But they stared too much at their giants. Their God became small and so they didn't step into what God had called them to. And they, they were robbed of the promises that God had for them. And so I'm not going to go deep into this now because truth be told, I'm still learning this. So I don't understand it myself. But there's some verses in Hebrews chapter 4, which I... If you want to, I'd so encourage you to sit and to look through. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. And it points to the fact that staring at your giants can rob you of the good things that God promises you. It can rob you of your calling and can rob you of the good things. You know, God promises us, it says in Hebrews chapter 4, God promises us a special rest 
a special type of rest, a way that we can find rest. And the people of Israel, it says in those verses, the people of Israel didn't get it because they were gripped by fear, they stared at their giants, their, God, their giants became big, their God became small, but it also stopped them from moving into the promised land. It stopped them from, that, it, it held them back of some of the promises that God gave them. They didn't get the milk, they didn't get the honey, but more than that, they didn't get the special rest. They didn't get the blessings that God actually had for them. And so I now, I hope you hear me well, I'm not trying to sound like a, like I said, a tele-evangelist that says you, but, but God does want good things for us. And one of the things is that, that this special rest is available to us. But when we concentrate on the challenges, when we look at our giants so much, that we're robbed from experiencing that special rest, that peace. God promises us peace. <coughs> A peace that surpasses all understanding. And we can, we can lose that. We don't get hold of that promise because we spend our time looking at our giants rather than looking at our God. The last point as I finish, I want to leave us with, is, you know, so God called the people of Israel and he called them for a purpose, but he also called them for blessing. He had blessings for them. But they stared at the challenges, and as the challenges became giants, their God became small. And that's something, and that stopped them, that, that paralyzed them, and it stopped them from, it robbed them of some of the blessings that God had for them. But lastly, you know, when we focus on giants rather than on God, it's contagious. It's so. You know the word contagious, it's catching. You can catch it from. Twelve people came back, ten of them were negative. It says, like literally overnight, in verse 14, uh, where Jen read, it said, the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. It went from ten people saying, these, these guys are monsters. We felt like grasshoppers, to the whole community crying and weeping and then blaming other people. It's so catching. And so I want to ask us the difficult question. Are we allowing that to spread? Are we allowing the challenges to become so big, but then are we allowing it to spread amongst us? And so two things happened. One, it became contagious and people caught it. But secondly... Secondly, what the product of that is people, you need someone to blame. I wanted to blame people for, for my... And the, the first thing I did is I isolated myself. No one understands. Fardam doesn't understand me. No one understands me. It's not true. It's not true, but I wanted to blame. I wanted to be angry with, with someone. But it's, it could be catching. And so... I, I, had to, I had to make sure that I wasn't putting it onto Jen because it became catching and the boys can catch it. This allowing our giants to become, focusing on our giants, focusing on our challenges and allowing them to come big is so catching and contagious. We can say, there's too much work. The, the giants, there's too much work. And everyone starts to pick it up and it... There's not enough people. 
the community's too broken. That person's, that person's not experienced enough to do it. And it's catching. So hear me well. I'm not saying we shouldn't, when God calls us to something, we shouldn't point out, uh, we, we shouldn't raise our concerns. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask detailed questions and make sure we... I'm saying that when God calls us to something, when we allow the challenges to become big and our God to become small, that is catching. And we need to be a community where we make our God big, not make our God big, God doesn't need us to make, where we see our God as big and we see our challenges in their rightful place. And so this is so important because, as you know, today's the 1st of June, month six, halfway through the year. It also signifies the time when more and more teams and visitors are going to come and spend time with us. Teams and visitors, I promise you, teams and visitors will catch this. And so there's two. Do we want our teams and visitors to go back so traumatised by the size of our giants or so inspired by the size of our God? What is it that we want our teams and visitors to go back with? Young people from England, non-Christians from Australia, people from... Do we want them to go back so traumatised by the size of our giants that they get back and they're paralysed and they can't step in to what God wants them to because it's just too big and they feel like grasshoppers? Or do we want them to go back inspired by the size of our God? Now, again, I'm not saying that we have to pretend to our teams that everything's okay. Everything is not okay, and you've heard me say that enough. It's not okay. It's not okay in Mafambisa. It's not okay in Maluti or Swaziland or Mozambique or Zimbabwe or Nigeria. It's not okay. The kids' lives aren't okay. Our caregivers' lives aren't okay. It's broken, and the wall is falling down, and people are abused and devoured. It's not okay. But... They're the challenges, but our God is bigger. Our God is big. So I'm not saying we hide it from them, but we allow them to know that we're a community that will not let those challenges become bigger than our God, and we won't let those challenges rob us from what God wants for us. We won't let these challenges slow us down or stop us or stop us moving forward, and we won't let those challenges rob us from peace and joy and love and kindness, we won't let it rob us from those things. Lastly, and linked with this, is that we want our teams to catch that. Caleb said, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. Do not rebel against the Lord. We talked about this in our small group on uh, Wednesday. But you know, when you believe that God isn't big enough, when you believe that the giants are big and God is small, not only are you mistaken, not only does it rob you of what God's calling you to and rob you of some of what God's promised for you, you're also rebelling against God. Because what you're actually saying is, God, I don't trust you. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not powerful enough for that. And that's rebellion. And none of us wants that. We want to be a community like Caleb, where the, the Bible says about him, Caleb, or God said about Caleb, Caleb had a different attitude. And so we want to be 
a community of Caleb's that have a different attitude, that look at the challenges, look at the, the challenges out in our communities, and we see them, but we don't let them become giants and our God become small. We remain hopeful that we can move forward, we can press forward, we can fight the fight because our God is big and those giants are small and we do not need to feel like grasshoppers. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org